everyone. Welcome to another mini-sode of the Investigation Game. This week, we're doing something different again. And uh, we're, we're trying out something new, a live stream, obviously. And um, we're going to dive into a couple questions about um, avoiding burnout for scaling. And we're talking with Leah this week. So hi, Leah. Hello. I'm back again. And, <laughs> and honestly, this was a great idea. I really wanted to try doing live streaming. So I'm glad yeah. you thought of this. Yeah. I'm excited. Thanks. So if, are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. I've rehearsed and everything. I'm like ready okay. for these questions this week. Perfect. So I know how much time I have. Okay. So I think our timeline for this one is what? 15 minutes? Yeah, we're making it 15 just yeah. you know, to give people more time to jump in and stuff like that. And also, if you guys have any questions throughout this episode, Leah's just going to answer them and we'll just go through it. And if she doesn't get to your questions, we'll answer them later on a different version or like messages or something. But also, just so you guys know, uh, this mini-sode that we're talking about is also this week's blog post from Leah. So anything that isn't covered on this episode will be covered in detail on that blog post. And I will attach the link somewhere so you guys can read it. Okay. And also one more thing at the bottom of the screen, it says sign up for our weekly Data Sleuth blog post alerts. So if you want to sign up for that, you can. And um, then you'll get the blog post this week because that's our email this week. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to yeah. get the timer started. Ready? Hey, let's go. Yeah. Okay. And start it. So my first question in regards to, because I know the blog is about scaling to avoid burnout. So what does it mean to be scalable? Yeah. So I think a business model that is scalable is a business that grows through efficiency. So mm -hmm. instead of just maybe adding one more person to the team and then like increasing revenue, but your costs go up proportionately, I think that scaling is about how can we use some resources and we'll talk about that, but how do we leverage resources to grow while keeping our costs down? And so it allows us to increase our capacity and to serve more people than we would normally serve. So a really good example, and of course this is what I talk about in the blog post and what we'll talk about today, is that whenever I was the only person providing forensic accounting services to my team, then, or I mean to my customers, then I was very limited by the number of hours in the day that I could actually work. Mm -hmm. So I could add another me, which I tried to do. I tried to create like another Leah in the past and um, which that's like a whole nother topic. You can't like duplicate yourself in one other person. But what would happen is we increased our capacity, but the cost also increased. And so um, scaling is really about how do we grow and serve more people, increase our capacity while at the same time becoming more efficient so that not only does our revenue grow, but also our profit increases. Our profit margin can also increase at the same time. All right. So in your opinion, or sorry, how has your opinion of scaling changed over the years? Because I, I think I understand that it wasn't as um, accepting and positive as it is now. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And I'm going to answer that question with a little bit of a story. So okay. I, I was asked to fill in for a, 
uh, to give a six minute presentation at this entrepreneurship forum. And this was a, when Workman Forensics was about three years old and they just needed another speaker so that they could have their event. And I wanted to, you know, I was always looking for opportunities to improve my public speaking. And so I put together a six minute presentation, which is what was required. And then the audience got to ask questions. And so I was feeling like pretty good. I'm not going to lie about my six minute presentation. And because um, it was you know, creative. And so I was really excited about it. And then there were some people who weren't local at all to this group who had come in and like the very first question off the bat was, so what about your business is scalable? And I had no product to sell or any new idea. I was just a fill in speaker explaining what forensic accounting was and what my business did. And I responded, well, nothing. And I said, but I do have a fraud reporting hotline. And so I think that's probably the most scalable thing that I have at, at this time. And his response was, well, I would have rather heard about that. And so that exchange, I mean, and like there were at least 50, 60 people in the room. I mean, I was so embarrassed. And I think they were like, whatever that year's version of live streaming was, like they were going to post this online. And I remember thinking, and, and for several years, you don't understand. Like, I don't even know what I'm doing. So how would I like make this scalable based on the definition I just gave us? So how would I make that happen? I don't even know what I'm doing. Every case that walks in is a new case. It's got so many new facets and I'm having to figure that out. And then I'm also having to figure out just like how to handle bookkeeping and like business stuff and all of this. And so I was very overwhelmed by it. And it was in about when, you know, fast forward to when Workman Forensics was about seven years old and I started facing burnout and we'll talk about that. But it was around that time that I started realizing like, oh, maybe everything I do every day isn't different. Like maybe there are things that are repeatable that I could then start building a scalable business because my opinion at the beginning was I don't even know what I'm doing. I have no money. So I'm going to have to bring in a venture capitalist or somebody to be my boss. You know, I mean, essentially, because they're giving me money to do this. And if I've got to work for them, then I might as well just go find a job, you know, like <laughs> have to figure all this stuff out. And so that just, it just didn't like fit my personality. And so over the years, as I just grew as a professional, I mean, when this happened, I was 29 years old as well. So I just, I'm just like trying to figure out how to stay alive, you know, like make sure I have food and stuff so uh, that I pay for my office rent. Um, but now I see it as an opportunity for me to do what I love to do. And then I get to hire people who love to do the other parts. And so in that way, we get to serve more people, which has always been my goal since the very beginning. Mm -hmm. So I know you mentioned a little bit by year seven, you started to feel burnout. So yeah. when that started to approach, how did you combat the feeling and like, what did you put in place to fix it? Yeah. So my favorite thing that I remember about that time, it was miserable. Let me just say it was miserable. <laughs> but my favorite thing about that time is that I got help. Like I found someone who was a coach and I remember I was sitting in a session with him. He's local. I was sitting with in a session and he said, Leah, if I showed up at your business today to help you, where would you tell me to start? And I looked at him and he said, it looked like I was like deer in headlights, you know? And I said, I would send you home. And, <laughs> yeah, I really did. And he said, 
he said, no, 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 no. I mean, I'm for real. Like, there's got to be something like, do you want me to make you coffee? Do you want like, what would you have me do if I showed up today to work for you? And I said, I would send you home. And then, you know, we go round and round about this. And then finally he said, there's got to be something. I said, no, there is nothing I would have you do because it would take too long to tell you what to do that I might as well do it for myself. And I had been trying to, like I mentioned earlier, I'd been trying to duplicate myself in other people instead of examining what am I doing every day and identifying a process of the repeatable actions that I could then hire people that are just really good at this step in the process. So by him asking me these questions in this session, it was like, oh, right. Like it just kind of helped set my thinking that, you know, I, you're right. I, if somebody shows up at my business to help me, I can't tell them how to help me. And then the second part of that session that I remember is that he said, Leah, there is a finite number of ways that people steal money in the cases that you work. And up until that point, and that was so significant for me because up until that point, I had felt like it was an infinite number of cases, like that, that there were infinite problems and that I could never build a process because mm -hmm. everything was so infinite and so big and so overwhelming. And by him just asking me these questions and making that statement, I was able to go back to the office and say, okay, what do we do on every single case? And the only thing I could think of for probably a year was data processing. And so what we did was we started identifying, okay, what are the things that we always ask for? What are the things that we always process data wise? Like we always process bank statements and credit card statements on 95% of our cases. So if that's the, if that is our step, then let's make that really efficient. And now that is probably one of the most well, like just well working part of our process. And then I was able to have people who love that part of the process and who have owned it and who have made it even better, which then created more time for me to take steps to um, work on the next parts of the process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's a little impossible to really analyze how something works when you're the only one doing it. And it's your constant like until you either pull yourself to like step back and look at things or somebody pulls you back to like look at everything. It's nearly impossible to see how you could do anything differently. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so what would you say um, was a major game changer in your business in terms of what the workload looked like and how you kind of redistributed that to your employees? Sure. This actually just happened uh, last February, February 2019. We had finished working a, a very big case uh, and it was a couple hours away. And I had presented to the board and it went really long and I was driving back two and a half hours. Like, I mean, I didn't get back till midnight, one o'clock in the morning, but I'm taking that drive and I had just presented our findings to this board and it was a year long case. And I just kind of, I was just reflecting over the case and where we were as a team and as a company. And I just said, like, I'm taking my analyst hat off. I like I'm no longer going to be an analyst, which was a huge, huge step because I mean, that was like the majority of my life. And that's how I learned to do everything that I did. But I decided to take that hat off. And from that moment, I started thinking about, OK, we have our data processing down. But whenever it gets to the analysis part, I'm back in that cycle of, OK, if I show up at your business, what can I do like as part of the analysis? And I don't want to say I send people home anymore. So how like how do i 
harness the, the talents of the people on my team who are really interested in analysis to make them better and empower them, you know, by essentially taking the knowledge I have and like teaching them, but I can't teach them everything their first week on the job. Right. And mm-hmm. so we, this is when uh, what we created our case planning workshop where we sit down and we identify, here's the concerns of the clients and here's how we're going to solve those problems. And this allowed me the opportunity to teach the analyst how to think about these problems, but we were just doing it on a case by case basis. Then it also helped us identify additional areas that we were just of analysis that we were doing on every single case. So then we started creating macros that would then automate that part of the process. And so I see that moment as a big game changer because it gave me time. Like I could go in and teach, okay, on this case, this is how you'd work these things to accomplish these goals. The next case may look different, but we started seeing where they overlapped. So it allowed us to create now a process for our analysis. The other thing that I did was I started, I have one person on my team who handles all of the client and case management. That was such a time saver. So now that I'm not chasing down documents or chasing down questions and all of that, now I have time to think about, oh, what can I write a blog post about? Or what can I do content wise or the podcast? Then I can go meet people. Then we can create new games. We have a new game coming. But <laughs> um, find money and divorce. Like that started opening up the time and the space in my head to do that. And our team now, I mean, we are constantly working on this. So please don't think that we've arrived at all. But like this process has allowed us like as we're continuing this process, we've really designed a manufacturing process where if you go through our process as a client, you're actually going to get a better work product than if I had done it all myself. And that's the point I wanted to get it to because when in year seven, when I was hitting burnout, we had record amounts of write-offs because I would have to redo some of the analysis. We would go over budget because people didn't know what they were doing and really wasn't their fault. I didn't know how to teach them. They didn't have the experience I had. And so by having this, what I love about this now, you know, but there was still like this standard back then that this is the level of work that Leah provides her clients. Now we can exceed that quality of work because mm-hmm. of the level of review and that Megan does and the level of data analysis that Rachel does and the level of data processing. Everyone is so excellent at these different parts that now the entire work product is just, I mean, it's, it's just better than I could have done it on my own. Yeah. Okay. We have two minutes left. So with the last question, I want to ask, what do you feel were the necessary steps in becoming a scalable business? So just for other business owners that haven't quite gotten there yet. Yeah. I think it's about leveraging knowledge and sharing knowledge. And then it's about creating a process and it's about leveraging technology. And there might be other resources, but I'm just speaking from my experience in the service-based industry, um, you know, where you've got one expert that has all this knowledge, one main technician. And so I think that by leveraging these things, the, and and the way that I, that we did it, and I've kind of talked about it already is to identify the things that I, like I needed to identify what are the things on every case that I always do. And if you always do it, then you can create a process And then you can probably find technology to help assist in that process. 
And with technology, you can become even more efficient. You can do things like you can fix fee certain projects that you've never been able to fix fee before. You're not necessarily having to sell your time, you're selling a product. And so those types of ideas, I think, come out of looking at what are the repeatable things. And then I think a really key thing is not only sharing my knowledge, but plugging in other people's experience and knowledge to make that process work because I can't do this process without people who care about their steps as much as I care about, you know, the whole work product itself. Mm -hmm. Well, that's perfect. And with 20 seconds left, um, <laughs> is there anything else you'd like to add? I don't think so. Um, I do have the blog post and uh, there's also a blog that I follow called uh, the firm future and it's about scaling account accounting firms and so I highly recommend signing up for that blog the future firm is what it's called um, and so I highly recommend that blog for a lot of tips sorry that's it <laughs> awesome yeah it's called right. the future firm blog uh, Nick just asked about that yes so if you want we can attach that in the show notes yeah. as well Thank you everyone for joining and tuning in and don't forget to read the blog to get more information. Yeah. Thanks. Fun. Bye. The investigation game is brought to you by Workman Forensics. For more information on the business and its services, visit workmanforensics.com. Find us on social media on any social media platform at Workman Forensics. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or topic ideas, please email us at podcast at Thanks for listening.